Hello and welcome to the Wealth Reliance Podcast. My name is Dave Deal. This is the podcast for the side cash hustler. If you want insights, real life experience from people just like you on how they started creating side income, you are in the right place. Documented experiences of people creating a few hundred dollars to extra tens of thousands of dollars a month. Make sure to subscribe and review. This means more than you know. Also, feel free to check us out at selfreliantwealth.com. Before we jump into the episode, let's take a minute to thank our sponsors. Hello and welcome to the Wealth Reliance Podcast. My name is Dave Deal and I am your host. This is going to be an absolute fun, exciting, and engaging interview. This is one of my very good and oldest friends, I'd probably say, that we've had on the podcast thus far. And uh, his story is absolutely amazing. This kid's younger than me, but I look up to him and I, you know, I, I think he, I, the relation that we have is just like brothers. I, I love this man so very, very much. And I appreciate all that he does and the example that he is to me. Um, and we've had so many fun, amazing experiences over the years and watching him grow and really dive into this entrepreneur aspect has been just one of the most fun uh, things for me to see. Uh, he started out with, you know, just a few ideas and concepts and took those in, created something massive. T- you want to talk about hurdles and obstacles overcome. He's got stories for those too. Um, one of the campaigns that he ran on Kickstarter actually got shut down. And so they had to scramble and put something else together. And I'm sure he'll get into that in his story, but his uh, determination and perseverance is something that really you know, cannot be taken lightly. And there's so much that can be learned and gained from this interview and his experience that uh, is very beneficial for, you know, all of us, the listeners. So without further ado, let's jump in and introduce Mr. Bowman Farr. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm, I'm doing good, Dave. Thanks. Dave, uh, you you set the bar pretty high. That's a, it's a high bar to reach. Hopefully I don't, I don't let you guys down, but glad to be here. Yeah. Oh, whatever, dude. You could never, you know, let anybody <laughs> down. You're just a, a stud and I appreciate you taking the time to jump on the show with us. So you're always you're always talking people up, but we're just we're just trying to keep up with you. <laughs> whatever. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. So, dude, tell me uh tell me about you, man. What's going on? I know you've got uh, all sorts of different developments and things that you're working on, but let's uh let's learn more about you. Let's go back here a little ways and Talk about some of the beginning stages of entre- entrepreneurship for you. Yeah, let's do it. Um, if we want to talk about beginning stages, uh, then we gotta we gotta bring up Cab Apparel. Um, Cab Apparel was a little, I don't know, I I hate to call it venture, but I guess that's that's what it is on a small scale. Um, Cab, the initials are for me and two of my really good friends. So it was Connor, Austin, Bowman. Um, yeah, we started a little a little t-shirt company in high school. Again, company, I don't know if I should call it that, but it, yeah, we tried. Um, no, but it was just like, it was a fun way we had. We had a really cool graphics class at our high school and we learned how to screen print t-shirts. And uh, the three of us really kind of took to that and we were, you know, high school, had time to kill. And so we started printing silk screen t-shirts out of what we called the cab lab which was uh, basically a side storage room on the side of my parents' house and uh, made an absolute mess of that room. 
uh, the garage. We were hand dyeing t-shirts with dye. So every t-shirt we'd get would come in white, uh, but we, we dye it in the garage in five gallon buckets with Rit dye and this like wooden stirring, <laughs> stirring stick. And then we'd have to like wash them and rinse them. So anyways, my parents put up with a lot, but yeah, we started, we just started selling t-shirts. We figured out how to do it. We would like expose the screens outside in the sun because we didn't have a, an exposure, exposure booth. Um, anyways, we made it work and we sold a bunch of t-shirts and we'd, we'd uh, deliver them at night to people on our bikes. We'd fill up a bag and bike around and deliver t-shirts. I don't think we really were profitable, but it was sure a lot of fun and sold a lot of t-shirts and kind of got some of the money back that we put into buying supplies and stuff. So if you want to talk about beginning stages, that's, that's kind of where it all started. Um, fast forward a few years, I served an LDS mission and on my mission, the whole thing was like, I'm going to, I'm going to go back. So we were kind of right in the height of this cab apparel making t-shirts when I left on my mission. And so I just, like, that's what I was going to do. I was going to go back. We're going to start cab apparel back up, get it cranking. Um, when I came back from my mission, I realized I not that, not that t-shirt companies can't make it huge or whatever, but the, what we were doing was not really scalable printing, you know, printing on our own, mixing t-shirts in five gallon buckets to, to dye them. Um, but that kind of lit a fire under me that I, I knew I wanted to do my own thing. Um, I wanted to have a product that people wanted and thought, thought was cool. And so that kind of always stuck with me and, uh, actually, uh, started going to school to become a dentist. And I thought that would kind of, that would kind of, uh, to some degree meet that level of uh, kind of entrepreneurship in a sense where I would be my own boss. Hopefully I'd be able to have my own practice, but it would also be this hard skill that people could come. And anyways, I started going to dental, uh, not, not dental school, but taking my dental prereqs. I got through a lot of them and shadowing dentists and I just, it wasn't quite doing it for me. And about that same time, a good friend of mine, uh, Ryan Krantz and I, wanted to start something to help put us through school. So the same time I'm, I'm, I'm shadowing a dentist. I start building this company that later we call Luna wear and, uh, which is now kind of a wood and uh, wood and leather watch company. And, and that really started with wanting to try out Kickstarter. Like this was uh, about five years ago where, where Kickstarter was really becoming popular and people were having a lot of success on Kickstarter. And uh, anyway, so we, we wanted to have, we wanted to have this experience with Kickstarter. We wanted to come up with a product that would do well with Kickstarter. So we, you know, we thought about sunglasses, we thought about wallets, uh, we thought about ski equipment, something innovative for the ski industry, all this different stuff we, we looked into and, None of it was really quite working out. Um, the other thing we did is we started looking on Kickstarter to see, okay, what products tend to do well on, on kind of a big, large scale. And what we saw was that watches tend to do really well. It's a product that's small. It ships easy. There's a pretty low barrier to entry to, to figure out how to do uh, how, how do you manufacture a watch? You know, your, most of the movements that, that are used nowadays are manufactured on this large scale. So 
you just kind of pick components and, and put it together. And, and then I have a, a lot of family history and watchmaking. So my great grandfather, kind of a cool story. I'll just breeze through it real quick, but uh, he lost, my great grandfather lost his leg in a sawmill accident in the state of Utah paid to have him trade trained in the trade of watchmaking. So he was able to be a watch and clock repairman. Um, and that was kind of the time when railroads were all coming about and, you know, they were state sticking on schedule with pocket watches and they needed people to make sure those were all working well. And so they paid to have him do that. He so he was a watch repairman, um, a watchman, and then uh, custom jewelry as well. And, and eventually my grandfather took over his dad's business. My mom worked there. She, you know, when I was sick or in the summer, I'd, I'd end up going to work with her a lot and watching my grandpa. And so I, I had a little bit of background in watches. I, I like by no means understood much about them, but I, I had enough exposure to them that it was something I was passionate about. And so it just seemed like the perfect thing. We had researched all these products. We, we saw kind of flaws in all of them. And, and maybe there was this, this uh, small barrier of like, we didn't really understand that industry or how to tap into it. And watches was, um, was something that we could tap into that industry. I had a great resource for a little bit of industry knowledge. And, and we had some friends that had contacts with manufacturers overseas. And uh, we were able to kind of get the ball rolling that way. Um, so, that, I mean, that's kind of, I don't know if, if that's helpful, but, but the t-shirt company kind of lit the fire under me to be like, I want to, you know, I want to start something. Uh, I left on my mission. So it kind of left that taste in my mouth wanting more. And, uh, and then I came back kind of found this, this product that I thought would kind of answer and fulfill that taste. And, uh, and yeah, and sure enough, it did. We launched it on Kickstarter. This is what Dave kind of hinted to originally, um, with Kickstarter shutting it down. Do you want me to dive into it? Yeah, yeah. Jump right into that and talk about that story, man. I think it's okay. you know, super powerful. Okay. So we start designing these watches. We start doing market research on, on what we thought would do well on Kickstarter, but also what we wanted to launch ourselves, something we'd be excited about. So we landed on this, this wood and leather minimalist watch. And at the time, a wood watch wasn't anything knew there were other wooden watches out there, but they had the linked uh, wooden band. So the whole watch where you would see, you know, the typical stainless steel face and dial and linked band, it was basically that style. It was just made in the wood. And we actually got some of those to, to try out. And, and there was a common complaint with those watches. One was durability, but the other was just wood. It just felt cheap. And, and it was mostly because of a linked band, it, you know, the dial and the, the case of the watch was fine wood, but it was a linked band. So we thought, Hey, let's, let's design a watch that has this wooden case, but we'll use a minimalist band. And that way, you know, we, we preferred that anyways, it kind of was, um, the design was more, was trending more than the bulky, you know, that minimalist fashion watch was trending more. So um, so we reached out to these contacts that some friends had overseas and, and we sent them over kind of the concepts that we wanted. We sent them over some design files and asked them if they could make it. And, you know, it wasn't, they were already making stainless steel watches with leather bands and wooden watches with the linked wooden bands. So to make a combo, a kind of a hybrid of the two was no big deal for them. 
So we got some samples pretty quick. And when we got them, we were really excited about them. They were like incredibly light because of, you know, the leather and the wood combo. Um, we were pretty, we were, you know, really excited about them. We thought, you know, we, we might have something here that'll do pretty well on Kickstarter. Let's make the most of this. And so we decided from the time we got those first samples, we are going to wait an entire year before launching on Kickstarter. And in that year, we are going to build social media accounts and we focus mostly on Instagram. Uh, we are going to build email lists. So we did lead generation ads through Facebook. We were going to build a uh, little bit of brand awareness, you know, whatever we could. And really, we we're just going to kind of try to establish this brand. So when we launched on Kickstarter, we'd have all the resources that we need. We were going to cross all the T's, dot all the I's. So that when we hit launch on Kickstarter, we, you know, have some, have some momentum. So we go, we launch, we go to launch on Kickstarter and uh, pretty instantly, you know, we had an email list and I can't even remember now a few thousand. It wasn't huge. Um, well, I should mention too, we were both in college and had you know, basically no money to put towards this. So the lead generation ads that we did for a year, the ad spend was like teen, you know, it was, it was almost nothing. It was mostly sweat, sweat equity that went into, you know, I learned how to do photography and I learned how to do Photoshop and video editing, which I had done a little bit growing up with, you know, ski videos or whatever. But, um, but for the most part, we were kind of self-taught and how, you know, putting web websites together and there's great resources for that now where they have templates where it's pretty much drag and drop. But, but we kind of taught ourselves how to do all that. A lot of sweat equity, a little, little bit of money. Um, so anyways, when we finally launched, we have a few thousand emails and we reached our goal in like five hours. Our goal, we were up till, I don't know, 5 a.m. the night before making sure everything was good. And, and we had this back and forth, like battle, me and Ryan, um, not against each other, but trying to like figure out where we set our goal. And the Kickstarter is all or nothing. You, if you reach your goal, you get funded. If you don't, all the money goes back. Um, in fact, nothing actually comes out until after the campaigns ended. Nothing comes, no credit cards are charged. So it's all or nothing. And we needed 15 grand to place the very smallest minimum order that we could. But we were worried if we placed the goal at 15 grand that we wouldn't reach the goal. We were like, we think we can reach 10. Of 15, like, I don't know if we can do that. So, but, you know, if, if you hit 10 grand, you have to buy, you have to fulfill those orders for watches. We would have to come out five grand out of pocket, which neither of us had. So um, anyways, we decided to do 10 grand. We're like, you know what? If we can do 10 grand, we can do 15. Or if we have to, we can, you know, borrow some money from family or whatever, that five grand to place the order and hopefully sell some watches. So uh, we ended up hitting our goal in like five hours, which blew our minds. We, we sent out a, a newsletter to our email list and said, hey, we're live. People loved it. We told a little bit of the backstory on my grandfather and his grandfather. Um, campaign just came together pretty nicely. And so we hit our goal really quickly. And then, you know, we start pushing advertising and we worked with uh, an, an ad agency that specializes in Kickstarter and how they work is they just, they take a percentage of sales and they foot the bill for all the ad spend during the campaign. So that was the only way it was going to work. We didn't have any money to run ads. And so that ended up working well for us. And they got ads cranking, like they, they were doing really well. And eventually within two weeks, we were at $430,000 raised and 
we were doing $60,000 in sales a day. <laughs> and, and it was just like, I was like, holy crap. This, like I, I had, I mean, the most money I had made up into that point was like working at a ski shop in high school, making minimum wage, you know, and all of a sudden we're doing 60,000 a day, uh, in, in watches that, you know, have, have pretty decent margins and that, that Kickstarter slide pie gets sliced up pretty quickly, you know, when they take a fee and the, and the ad agency takes a fee, but we were looking and kind of running some numbers and we were going to come out of this thing with selling a ton of watches, getting our brand out there, um, and having like a decent amount of startup, um, net at the end of that, where we could dump that money into to building the brand and coming out with more products. And we were just like on cloud nine. So it's a 30 day campaign. We're halfway through. And I think it was day 14. So right about halfway through, I woke up in the morning to an inbox with like a couple, I don't know, eight, 900 emails. And, and, and then, um, of people saying like, what happened? I got a notification from Kickstarter, what happened? And I had no, I had no idea what was going on. So I go to log into Kickstarter and on our dashboard, it says your, your campaign has been suspended. That's all it said. And, and so I'm thinking, well, suspended makes it sound like that's not a final thing. Like maybe there's some issue we have to resolve. Um, so we start looking into it a little bit and come to find out that Kickstarter's policy is that once a campaign has been suspended, they don't reactivate a campaign, period, end of story. They don't do it. And so then we start thinking, okay, well, we did 430,000. We were worried about 10. We're fine. And we find out that if your campaign doesn't successfully finish or it's suspended, you don't get any of those pledges. So we went from $430,000 in, in sales to nothing. And I just, I remember like, first of all, I didn't believe it. I, I didn't believe that Kickstarter would do that just like that. Having not reached out to us or given us a, a explanation of, Hey, this is an issue. Unless you fix it, nothing. They just, they pulled the plug. And so I, I, I felt like there was a piece of the pie missing because I just could not wrap my head around that happening. And, um, we never got an official response from Kickstarter. Every, if we ever got a reply from them, which was very rare, if we did, it was a, a very kind of template response. You know, we, we don't comment on campaigns that were suspended. It's irreversible. That's just the way it is. That was one issue. The other issue is that, um, by that, by that time we had, you know, several thousand backers and, for the most part, all of them, most of them assumed that when they put in their credit card information, their card was charged and they bought a watch. So Kickstarter sent a mass email to all of our backers and said, hey, this campaign was suspended. When the campaign is suspended, your card's never actually charged. Um, essentially, you didn't pay and you also don't be expecting a watch. But as a mass email, you know what? probably half of those went to people's spam folders. So for, I don't know, a year, like we probably still get emails here and there. Um, I, I stopped doing emails a while back, but up until the point where I stopped, an email would still trickle in of people saying, Hey, I pledged for a watch on Kickstarter like years ago and I, I still don't have a watch. What's going on? Like we still get those emails. 
hasn't this been such a fun episode? I really do enjoy spending time with Bo. He has such great wisdom and insight, and it's always fun to be able to learn um, from him and hear just some of the different things that he's working on and doing. So if you'd like to tune in to the rest of this interview, tune in tomorrow um, for part two of the interview, and uh, it's going to be awesome. So make sure not to miss that. As always, make sure to infuse hope to those in need by teaching correct principles that lead to result-driven action. Go out and make it a fantastic day. And please do subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast. It really does mean more than you know. Um, Feel free to share it with other people, too, that might be able to gain some insight and wisdom from wanting to start a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo campaign. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Wealth Alliance podcast. I just wanted to take one more minute to thank our sponsors. Are you ready to learn how you can take your life and your business to the next level? Learn how you can create side income and have different assets pay for your life and your lifestyle? Tune in next week to the Wealth Reliance Podcast. This is Dave Deal signing out. Thank you so much and have a great week.